Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Think the last episode in this current studio of moving the next two days. And this might be the this might be the final episode in the first 417 episode era. The first testament of this podcast. And uh, everybody knows Claire Lopez by now. And Claire was the, uh, having her on was the first time I got a suspension. And the second one is from Dr. Roger Hodkinson for talking about uh, adverse effects with vaccines, which, I mean, I don't take any pleasure and I told you so, but man, like like 72 hours after I got suspended, Johnson & Johnson halted their vaccine rollout for adverse vaccine effects, which is kind of insane. Claire? Oh, sorry. I've yeah, been, yeah. No, I've been, I've been I've been watching the news as well, and uh, I understand that uh, AstraZeneca has had the same kind of issues um, plaguing uh, its its um, vaccine and air quotes, of course, because these aren't really vaccines; they're experimental um, genetic therapies. But uh, I think over in Europe. Uh, AstraZeneca has uh, faced difficulties, so it's not just here. Yeah, AstraZeneca has been banned in 13 countries in Europe, and as of, I think, Monday, today's Wednesday, I think as of Monday, Johnson & Johnson stopped for worries with blood clots. And again, <clears throat> to me, the oddest thing is, is you know, I've had, you know, people that kind of counter my, my statement about that. I got suspended for having on, for quote, spreading medical misinformation and or contradicting statements by the World Health Organization. I've been suspended from YouTube for contradicting the World Health Organization. I mean, if this isn't a nice taste of, of China for everyone that thought that China was, quote, over there and doesn't think that their policies come over here. But, you know, people that have kind of they've met my my statement of that with, you know, well, Dr. Hodkinson is a pathologist. He's not an immunologist or an epidemiologist. He doesn't stu study virology. And I agree with all of that. He's a pathologist. He's an M.D. But the fact that the the discussion itself was smushed. Claire and I are not medical professionals, but we're still going to discuss it because that is what, in a free marketplace of ideas, the dumb ideas go there to die and the good ones go there to flourish. Sure, sometimes you have people that buy into stupid shit, but that's hey, that's that's freedom. That's that that will happen. You're always going to have someone that gets conned by a snake oil salesman. But the idea that we can't even have this discussion because it contradicts the World Health Organization. Who is deciding what is misinformation and what is not? Who who are the fact checkers? How do you not know the fact checkers are are me and Claire sitting there saying what is true and what is not? To me, that is that is the most terrifying thing. Is not only does it seem censorship is is not only does it seem that censorship has arrived. It seems to arrive to thundering applause, which to me is just batshit insane. I don't know. Well, I mean, and in any case, what 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 you and and your prior guest were doing were uh, basically quoting from from news reports, you know, that these two uh, products um, have been 
halted, paused, whatever you want to call it. Um, whether that be out of an abundance of caution, whether it be for further study, whether it be because there are uh, adverse side effects, um, we'll watch uh, the news for that. But but to quote the news sources that say these two are being paused, you know that that's that's just a, a fact. That, that that that's a fact. And uh, you know whether the World Health Organization likes it or not, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Now. What do you think could to kind of pivot? It's you know I'm 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 torn because on on one hand I I feel like the Biden administration stole the election and it's an illegitimate government. On the other hand, it's I, I talked about this yesterday. I don't not like the the recent developments in the Pacific with the the announcement of the Pacific Deterrence Initiative. Uh, uh, ground-based intermediate nuclear weapons ringing China and pushing for the biggest or signing off on the biggest U.S. military budget in history. Uh, th- those aren't things I dislike. And, uh, you know, at, at, at the risk of, of, of losing half the people that listen to me for, you know, the get, for, that listen to you and Dale and Don the Pleb, I, but I have to, you know, I can't, just like I just like I can't stand when people look at everything Trump did and just say he's evil. And it's like, well, no, the the work he did against human traffickers is objectively good. The low bl- black unemployment is objectively good. Like you can, and people that couldn't see that to me, it's like I can't. Well, I can't have any discussion with you because you're not sober. You're just intoxicated with hatred. So I have to I have to not be that myself. And I have to look at it. But I want to pick your brain on it. I can't look at this and like say that I objectively don't like it. I think it's good. It's I, I you know, aside from the fact I think it's an illegitimate government that usurped the democratic process and then raped the legal system. I I I, I'm, I like it. What what do you I don't know if you've read about that. What do you what are your thoughts on what's going on in the Pacific right now? Yeah, well, well I have been following developments over there and I'll I'll I'll, I'll start by saying this. I would I would take us back uh, if you will, for a moment, to the 1980s. Okay. And if we recall, during the, the uh, two um, terms of office of President Reagan in that decade, he proposed something called SDI, um, a Space Development Initiative. And uh, part of that was something called a, progr- a program called Brilliant Pebbles. Mm-hmm. Brilliant Pebbles would have positioned um, satellites in orbit around the United States with the ability to detect uh, instantaneously and communicate that back to Earth, back to the Pentagon, launch of ballistic missiles, uh, be they uh, friendly uh, countries testing or be that um, a hostile uh, adversary launching off. And it would be able to tell, you know, where they were coming from, the trajectory, uh, calculate how long uh, they would take to reach destination, whatever that may be, et cetera. If we had done that, if we had done that way back then, or at least begun the project instead of, you know, scrapping it, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in right now. Uh, And that situation is that uh, an aggressive, expanding revolution, communist revolutionary power headed by the Communist Chinese Party in Beijing, um is expanding, Mm -hmm. expanding its reach, expanding its military dominance. Um, 
It wants to dominate the China Sea, the South China Sea, um, the military, the Air Force of, of uh, the People's Republic is sending dozens and dozens of its warplanes uh, violating Taiwan's air space on a regular basis now, if not every day, um, every other day. Um, you know, their naval vessels, which by the way, now outnumber ours by, I think it's well over a hundred surface vessels. Uh, those, those, those Navy vessels are now um, extending its uh, their reach in, into the South China Sea, not just building up, you know, these um, these atolls or these these uh, you know artificial reefs to turn them into um, military bases, essentially with runways and 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 planes stationed there and troops stationed there. Um, but they're also encroaching on the exclusive economic zone uh, of places like the Philippines, which is you know also close by in the South China Sea, uh, encroaching on on uh, their, as they call it, EEC, uh, EEZ, uh, Exclusive Economic Zone, um, and practically, you know, daring uh, anybody to stop them. Now, um, you know, that the United States, under this administration or any other, um, is taking steps to counter that aggression. I agree with you, Tommy. I think that's a good thing. Uh, where this is going, um, it seems to be accelerating. It seems to be, um, you know, ramping up. And um, I think that this administration is going to have to be uh, a lot firmer and project a lot more um, serious image. Uh, perceptions matter. Perceptions really mm-hmm. are, are everything in terms of deterrence. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to deter, you know, the... Uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> again, I, I, I know I'll probably get a text from Dale after this telling me he's going to kill me. But uh, I, I, I read an article yesterday, um, and it was from a, a socialist website, and it's criticizing Biden, which to me is that that's probably the most accurate criticism I'm going to be able to find. Because if it's me and Don the Pleb criticizing Biden, like, I mean, we're, we're just going to tear him a new one for everything he does. But when I can find someone on the left criticizing him, that's when I can find legitimate criticism. And in the article, the way he would, the way that, I mean, now whether or not Biden wrote this, I mean, probably not. But the, the way he speaks, or at least the way the article's written, it doesn't seem, again, half bad. And, you know, I, I don't know. Am I going to be looking back at this in six months and being like, oh, you dipshit lemming. Like, you took it hook, line, and sinker. Like, that's also a possibility because I'm I'm wrong more than I'm right. But here we are. Uh, the Biden administration has requested the largest military budget in U.S. history, demanding $753 billion or larger than the text. 10 next biggest militaries combined. It calls calls for additional spending on nuclear weapons, the upgrading of the country's nuclear-capable ballistic missile, or the nuclear-capable ballistic submarine fleet, new manned, unmanned, long-range stealth bombers, manned and unmanned stealth nuclear submarines, and hypersonic missiles capable of evading detection. The the DOD is also endorsing a so-called, quote, Pacific uh, Deterrence Initiative, which aims to ring China with offensive land-based missiles previously banned under the the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces INF Treaty. Yeah, I mean, that 
that seems kind of badass, I think. And all, additionally, Biden is pushing for a $2 trillion infrastructure uh, bill at home aimed at strategic competition against Beijing because, quote, Beijing is attempting to own the future with quantum computing and building their own infrastructure. They're counting on the United States to be too slow and too divided. Again, like, yeah, I, I got to give credit where credit's good. due. It's not, I mean, again, does it just sound good? Anyone can say anything. Sure. Well, I mean, here here's the thing. Um and and here's the um, the other side to to that sure. coin, maybe if you will, and that is that this um, annual budget increase for the Defense Department is about the smallest increase yeah. in the last I don't know how many years yeah, in the range of I think somewhere around two percent or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. um, where other uh, departments of the cabinet, let's say, okay. you know, are getting uh, huge uh, percentage boosts to their uh, their budget. So yes, all of that is good. Um, I wish there were one more thing in there though, and that would be harden the electric grid. Yeah. The U.S. civilian electric grid is still completely and totally vulnerable to an EMP event, be it the sun, be it an adversary nuclear uh, attack up mm-hmm. in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the military hardened its facilities under Cheyenne Mountain, that's great, but the majority of the U.S. military presence on bases throughout the United States and in different facilities depends on the civilian electric grid. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wish I could see that uh, in this budget. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah, I did see that 2% is the smallest increase in a long time. I think it's rivaled at 16% with the Department of Health and Human Services. But Claire, what do you want to talk about? Because I only know so much, and you are are the expert with this. So normally when I have guests on, I guide the conversation with you. I kind of like to give you the steering wheel because I like to be the pupil to your to your uh, lecturer. What do you want to talk about? Okay. Well, let me let me uh, talk about something um, that's um, in the news recently, and it goes back to this past uh, Sunday. So that's, uh, what, three days ago. Um, and it is a uh, perhaps cyber attack on the Iranian um, uranium enrichment facility at Natanz. Probably have heard about this. Um, Apparently, what happened is that, uh, I mean, and this is still a little preliminary because we're not completely sure. Reporting is conflicting coming out of the Middle East. But that some kind of explosives uh, detonated in the facility. The the centrifuge hall that we're talking about is buried underground at Natanz. Some kind of explosive device got in there somehow and blew up uh, their electric uh, grid, the, the supply of electricity to the facility. Now, you may know that this facility is, you know, highly guarded. The electric grid, the electric supply to to the facility is, is supposedly, you know, super secure uh, with multiple, you know, layers of security around it. Well, whatever happened blew up the electric supply to Natanz. Now, you may know that there are uh, thousands upon tens of thousands of centrifuges uh, down in, in, in this underground facility at Natanz. And these are those tall steel tubes. Well, actually, yeah, steel tubes, I guess they are, with the, um, the spinning blades inside um, 
to um, to spin up uranium uh, to to enriched levels. Well, what happens? Um, well, first of all, I'll say this: that uh, apparently the Iranians were on this Sunday. I mean, that you know, three days ago, they were actually uh, in the process of starting up some brand new, faster, more modern centrifuges. Uh, generation, if you will, five and six. They would call them IR5s and IR6. IR Iran, five, the fifth generation, sixth generation. These are brand new, uh, many, many times faster than, than the original ones. And by the way, um, not permitted under the terms of the July 2015 Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or JCPOA, Iran nuclear deal, not permitted. They were just in the process of hooking these up. As you know, or may know they they link these uh, these tubes together in what they call cascades sets of tubes, um, and they were just linking them up. They were just bringing them online uh, this past Sunday um, when the electric power was cut by these explosions. Now, what happens when the electric power is cut is that they can no longer regulate uh, the speed of the blades inside and they go wacko they they go berserk and what happens then is they just they just go haywire all over the the room and they blow stuff up and there's steel flying everywhere and apparently thousands upon thousands of these things were destroyed which is a great thing it's fantastic um a lot of accusations flying around uh the iranian regime has called this sabotage um, other sources have said that it might take as long as nine months to repair the damage. I hope it's at least that long, maybe longer. Um, the Israelis themselves um, have uh, made some statements that aren't exactly accepting responsibility or acknowledging that they're the ones that did this. But they're a little bit ambivalent. But you can maybe, you know, if you want, re- read between the lines that, uh, yeah. They, they they somehow did this. So not sure if this was a cyber event or a combined cyber explosion uh, event. But in any case, a whole bunch of Iranian centrifuges are no longer spinning up uranium as they have threatened to the 60% enrichment level, which is way beyond what was permitted under 4% enrichment level in the nuke deal of, uh, of 2015 that... Our administration right now is so obsequiously, piteously uh, desperate to get back into, well, this is kind of going to throw a a monkey wrench into the works, uh, if you will. So is this Stuxnet 2.0? Well, if it were cyber, uh, we might say that. Stuxnet, of course, was the cyber attack apparently uh, introduced by a a thumb drive Mm -hmm. uh, into computers at Natanz. Uh, what was it? I don't know, 15 or something years ago, yeah. long time ago yeah. in any case, um, that um, that likewise um, sent the, the centrifuges whirling out of control and they blew apart and exploded uh, in a similar way. But I don't know um, for sure if this uh, was a cyber attack or if it was just the cutting of electricity by the explosions that you know, d- disrupted the power and, 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 and sent everything, you know, uh, off haywire. I, I'm not sure about that. Um, but in any case, um, very effective, whatever it was. Yeah, it, 
it it, it kind of seems like there is an arm that it's still is still gonna. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who is it? Israel? Is it the United States? Is it Russia for whatever reason? But no, 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 not, not Russia. Russia. Okay. No, no, I, I very much doubt the United States either. As a matter of fact, it's not completely certain um, if the United States even got an official heads up uh, from if it were Israel uh, before this took place. And uh, here's the icing on the cake. Um, uh, our Secretary of Defense, uh, Lloyd Austin, you know, the guy who runs that place over there, um, was in Tel Aviv. He arrived in Tel Aviv um, on this past Sunday, uh, April 11, we're in 2021 here, and he arrived at an official visit in Tel Aviv that very day um, that uh, whatever it was took place. Um, kind of a, in my opinion, a kind of a neat um demonstration of how a real defense department works that's not shut down for six months yeah. to look for racial inequity yeah yeah do you, <laughs> so so do you think that that is do you think that was the israelis doing it and that was a, a flex on america kind of um, you know israel has to do what it has to do to defend itself cut, yeah the cutthroat and and uh, yeah, you know, they're it. not going to ask permission from the united states you can't, uh, you can't wait. to defend themselves from you know, existential attack. I mean, they're, they're so again, I don't even know if they shared uh, the information or a heads up ahead of time. Um, certainly, it became known uh, to um, Secretary uh, Austin during the time that he was there uh, in Israel. Um, I would have loved to have seen his face, um, but you know, the the uh, the right inalienable right to anticipatory self-defense. It's enshrined in international law and has been since the 1600s. I tell people this all the time, the time of the great uh, lawgiver, jurist, uh, Hugo Grotius, who talked about this, wrote about this. Anticipatory self-defense means that you do not have to wait until um, you have been attacked by, by an enemy uh, to launch your self-defense. Mm -hmm. um, you don't even have to wait until the ballistic nuclear-tipped missiles are in the air. In this day and age, it's minutes, you know, from a place like Iran to a place like Israel, mm -hmm. mere minutes. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait for that. If you see that the enemy is taking steps that are existentially threatening to uh, your people, your nation, um, you have the right to, to stop that, and and that's what Israel has done. <clears throat> that that uh, that is perhaps my uh, to put on the tinfoil hat. <clears throat> and the, these 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 following statements are my thoughts and my thoughts alone, not Claire's or Jefferson Morley's. The author Jefferson Morley, who wrote about CIA counterintelligence uh, chief James Jesus Angleton, without saying it, he kind of puts forward in his book that Angleton watched us go to the brink in the Cuban Missile Crisis and he and perhaps other power players like LeMay just you know always fighting for uh, American preserver uh, perseverance preservation perseverance is that they thought uh, Kennedy himself was an existential threat to the United States and that they had a hand in taking him out now granted that is a statement that needs 500 hours of podcast episodes to unfold. So I won't do that right now. But it, it's kind of, I don't, 
I don't necessarily buy into that conspiracy, but it seems like at the core, that is where you can find uh, kind of the justification for the most absurd events is anticipatory defense. Uh, but uh, no, 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 that that's a whole different story. That, by the way, I think that is complete um, hogwash. Um, I think the information we now know about Lee Harvey Oswald, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, his trips, um, you know, to Cuba, to Mexico, Mexico City, City, where yeah. he met with the KGB head of assassination yeah. uh, in the uh, the weeks before um, President Kennedy was killed in November of, of 1963. I think that leaves no doubt whatsoever that this is our communist enemies, Castro's Cuba um, and, and Russia uh, that, that were behind that assassination. But anticipatory self-defense really refers to um, the situation between nation states that mm-hmm. that's what that's about yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. It, it's not something internal you know to to the domestic affairs of a country um you know if if for example uh our national security had become aware of soviet of cuban um plans plots uh to decapitate uh, the executive branch of the united states government the president um then we would have been uh, in our uh, absolutely, you know, right um, to take steps against Cuba, against Russia, uh, certainly to halt the plot to stop the assassination, um, but otherwise certainly to put them on warning. Yeah. Uh, if you ever even think of such a thing, there will be consequences, and we don't even have to tell you what they will be, but you can imagine. Yeah. That would have been justified. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this this is just conspiracy stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, that that that's why I prefaced it saying these are my thoughts. Well, it's interesting because Morley's second book is called Our Man in Mexico, and it's all about Oswald meeting with the KGB. Mm-hmm. So he kind of does yeah. a, he he covers both bases. Um, but yeah, it it, it, it that's kind of the thing that's always fascinating. And I, I I gotta let you go in the next couple minutes. The thing that's always fascinated me about Israel is, yeah, the seeming it's they're surrounded by a sea of holy fire. Like you don't have to wait for anybody. You don't have to ask. Right. It's you can start engaging the enemy. You don't need to wait for uh, clearance from up above. And it to me, that's what this probably looks like. Right. It's like, well, didn't they bomb? Didn't the Israeli Air Force, didn't they bomb an Egyptian nuclear facility? I think you're probably thinking about taking out the Osirak reactors uh, in Saddam Hussein's Iraq in 1981. Probably that, yes. And that was the Israeli Air Force that that did that amazing feat of flying. And uh, I mean, I've been actually uh, to the place in Israel from where those planes took off and safely returned, which they were not sure they would be able to do, um, given the weight uh, of the bombs they were carrying, the the trimmed down um, you know level of fuel that they would be able to carry to make it there, they weren't even sure if they would make it back. They but they got back. Every last one of them got back, basically on fumes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they took out Saddam Hussein's nuclear reactors in 1981 at Osirak. And boy, weren't we glad about 10 years later in 1990 <laughs> yeah. uh, in the first Gulf War yeah. um, where uh, a nuclear uh, capable Iraq would have been a whole different situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's always easy to criticize, but I mean, 
I guess that's one thing I've always loved about Israel is just the kind of the excuse my French, but just really no fucks given. Just like they don't need to wait for anyone, you know. If, There's a Hebrew word for that. It's called chutzpah. <laughs> it's well, yeah. I I think it was episode 18 of this podcast, almost 400 episodes ago. I had on a guy who he like and like off lot like showed me his like Israeli like passport and everything. But he worked. He was in the Israeli special forces, Syret, and I think Kidon. He wore a baklava, uh, balaclava doing the podcast. But just talking to him, you could tell there's this general, you know, no even understanding of political correctness. It was just very. They, they don't have the room for it. They, that, exactly. You he know, was they're like, tiny. They yeah, don't have strategic depth. They, there's no. Yeah. There's no. He was. There's like, no you, room for yeah. error. He was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "They're going to kill me, so I'm going to kill them." And every time I would bring up, you could just see it just, it wasn't even that he saw it and rejected it. It was just like, he doesn't know. They're going to, they're going to kill me. So I'm going to kill them. Just, it's just that. And it took me like two hours before it finally got through my thick American skull that I was like, they don't have time to say like, well, what is, what are they going to feel like? Or what's the rest of the world going to well, think? I mean, especially in today's, you know, level, day and age level of technology, where, as I said before, you know, these missiles can cover the distance between Iran and Israel. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know exactly. I have to look that up. But in a very short period of time, that's measured in minutes. Well, well yeah. I mean, Russia, that was Eisenhower's, not Eisenhower's, I think Kennedy's fear about SLBMs off the coast of D.C. I mean, if it's something like it's, I mean, ICBM is 30 minutes. SLBMs off your coast is something like four to five minutes. The Pershing missiles. Well, that's just right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pershing missiles that we wanted to put right outside the Soviet Union. Yeah. That was their fears. Like, this is, like, too destabilizing. It's four minutes to Moscow. I mean, it truly is, like, under 300 seconds. There's no there's no way to defend against that. But, Ms. Lopez, I know you have to go, and we have to cut this one short. So I will do that, and we will resume next week. And uh, okay. for everybody listening, there won't be a podcast for a couple of days as I'm moving out. And we will resume and I guess the New Testament of Tommy's podcast will be in the next studio. And by studio, I mean cramped bedroom. But <laughs> fake it till I make it, I guess. So. Well, good luck with your move, Tommy. Thank you so much, Claire. Stay safe, everybody. God bless America. Thank you, Claire. Thank God for women Thank like you. you. And uh, yeah, stay See safe, everybody. Week. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. Goodbye.